I'm looking through news. Netflix is blonde, slammed by Planned Parenthood as anti-abortion propaganda. <laughs> I, I I can't lie. You're you're talking the uh, the dead fetus parts coming in taunting her. It it's it's uh, tempted me to watch that bit. <laughs> you sick bastard! <laughs> Are we part of the problem here? Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds awful, and I'm not just. I, I won't give it the thumbs up whenever I, mm-hmm. I finish. So, oh, yeah, uh, I'll say this is not for me, even though that part was, but not as like a good human. It's definitely appealing to the lizard brain. <laughs> you know, I'm a huge fan of wet puppets in cinema. Yes, uh, yes. I am. I, I just don't know how they they did it. Is it just yeah? When it could have obviously been just use the. Muppet from Basket Case and taking out the basket. Belial, yes, Bill yes, Lyle, yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Skrull of all ages, bring a bucket and a mop and welcome to MCU Beyond Infinity, a show where fellow like-minded Marvelites have assembled to discuss, review, theorize, and wax intellectual over any and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host and fellow Abomination, Travis, to be discussing the seventh installment of Marvel's newest Disney Plus series, She-Hulk, colon, Attorney at Law, The Retreat. Sticking with the sitcom format and doubling down on the blatant lack of daredevils, She-Hulk Episode 7 is, at its core, all about finding yourself through inner peace, rejection, acceptance, and being liked for who you really are. But surpassing the glorious, subtle character development and study of human nature in the guise of a low-stakes legal comedy is the week's real star attractions. That being C and D level supervillains with ridiculously stupid names, powers, and gimmicks, which we here at Beyond Infinity are huge, huge fans of. Now, Travis, how giddy did you get this week with the appearances of such gems such as the porcupine and the man bull? I will be completely honest. I, uh, as soon as I saw Elegila and uh, man bull, I, I, I knew we were getting porcupine, I thought, and kind of seen like a set photo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but just, I got excited because I knew this was probably the episode, and yeah, it lived up to the hype. It was my favorite. Um, the uh, the D-listers here. And like, again, I, I knew we were going to get the Frogman, and we've talked about it before, Titania, and... She-Hulk is a good character to kind of bring in the CD-level villains because, one, she's kind of, you know, this jokey character, fourth-wall-breaking yes. character. The show's not taking itself too seriously, so if we're going to bring these things in uh, on a franchise, which often kind of, like, as much as people like to say is so full of jokes, it does kind of take itself, like, super self-serious most of the time. <laughs> um, 
but also her just kind of being an attorney. She-Hulk, uh, as a comic, was always kind of a vehicle for these C or D level villains to show up and not necessarily be fighting, but it's something where you could find the stilt man or the porcupine like in courts uh, with yes. She-Hulk possibly prosecuting or defending them for some sake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I had not seen the set photos of porcupine and was really delighted. Like, I mean, we say it pretty much every week at this point since we started the show. We love the ridiculous, silly, comic booky, colorful costumes. Mm-hmm. And we're always bummed out when they don't give us their really silly, ridiculous comic booky costumes. Like Hawkeye teased us and teased us and teased us with a mask and never gave us a goddamn mask. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, this show is doing a tremendous job at like prick teasing. Like, is she going to wear it? Is she going to wear it? Is she going to wear it? And she hasn't put on the singlet once yet. Yeah, um, yeah but when I kind of makes up for it because of how incredibly impractical that costume is, and it, it's like a one-to-one adaptation almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it even yeah. has the color of the mask and everything. Yeah, yeah. There's like two porcupines Three. that. I- well, there's like two porcupine costumes, I should say. No, that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. One of the porcupine is a mutant, so I don't think that counts. I don't even know what they really look like. Uh, yeah, and one of the porcupines uh, almost looks like the Shocker, but with like electro spikes on the outside of them. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I, and I think he's the one that kind of shows up in uh, Spider-Woman, uh, the one where she's pregnant and they become an item, I think, or something. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He winds up being like the, uh, not the father, the, the surrogate father for her kid. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wow. No idea what the status quo is on that. I assume that it's been retconned because things aren't allowed to progress in Marvel Comics. But Oh, especially relationships between uh, yeah. characters. Absolutely. I mean, at least like with DC, Batman's kids, they eventually get new hero identities with the Robins and all that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, even like Batman having a child only came all. about. What's that? At all. And it being like a significant part of a story at this point. And it was a significant part of a story when like Denny O'Neill was writing comics in the seventies that just like never went to anything. And when Grant Morrison (laughs) was like on his run and this was something that like frustrated and alienated a lot of readers at the time that I was like kind of getting off on when I was reading. (laughs) We've talked about this other show before. Yeah, Um, He was just pulling from the entire history of Batman and and, and turning it all into like present day continuity and like letting you know how it makes Makes sense. And mm-hmm. uh, there were those 70s Denny O'Neill uh, comics where, like, you know, the um, uh, Shadow of the Bat, I think, was the name of the storyline. And it was mm-hmm. where Talia was introduced. And there was this whole, like, love of. I'll never forget the image because, like, Batman kept his mask on while he was having sex with her. And he had a very, like, hairy chest. And it was this very, like, romance novel esque, like, interior. And I remember yeah, it from when I was a kid. Fabulous, except he's wearing a Batman mask. But very hairy chest. I, yeah. I remember it being, like, a very hairy chest. And, um, you know, I was aware of that. I read a lot of those old Danny O'Neill books when I was a kid because they would collect them in those big, like, best of Batman kind of things and shit like that. Um, So, and like Neil Adams, you know, that, that whole like, 
pre bronze age. Yeah. I love that stuff so much. Um, you know, and he did this great job at incorporating even before that, the, the really silly science fiction, he Batman of the, uh, silver age. And then the really gritty crime ridden Batman of the golden age. Uh, even the sixties, um, Burt Ward, Adam West series, uh, there was an issue where they explained how um, the Joker had like laced all of Gotham City's water with LSD for like a short period of time where they (laughs) thought that like when they were throwing punches that they were all hallucinating and they would see like the bang pow. And they like explained why all of that like actually existed. I was like, oh, this is all really neat. But there is that issue where Batman kind of like leaves this woman after having sex with her. And it's like the only like real prominent time where I was like, Oh man, Batman did have a relationship for like six issues. And then they just left. <laughs> that nothing. And it was probably because DC editorial was like, "Eh, we're going to do something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they like doubled down, like, no, that took place. So like show us the child of Jessica drew and the porcupine. <laughs> Yeah, let's say she was already pregnant, and it's not really his kid, but he's like I guess an uncle uh, or something. Okay, it's, okay. Yeah, oh, I don't so think they ever say. Yeah, I don't think they ever say who the father is of the kid. But was it a Spider-Man clone or something? <laughs> no, no, I I'm not, I don't really recall. I know it has powers too, though. If memory serves, uh, I did read the entire thing, but it's it's been a minute. So like. I've read um, another thing kind of like those Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Batman, when I was a kid, they would have those like best of Marvel and you would get like a couple random like 60s, like Tales to Astonish or something like that. And I remember like an Ant-Man and the Wasps with uh, the porcupine in it and me being a little kid and, you know, getting those handbooks of the Marvel Universe and just seeing it and being like, what is this thing? You know what I mean? He shoots you know, you're just pick a random animal and name a superhero or villain after it. it. Yes, yes. Yeah. I uh, I remember seeing him in one of the official guides to the Marvel Universe thing and being one of the more memorable designs just because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's like a guy who wears a gas mask and essentially looks like the, uh, like he's supposed to look like a porcupine, but he really kind of just looks like the Wicker Man with like a green <laughs> gift. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, even here, it's like he has a few spikes sticking out, but it's, yeah, it's mainly just uh, a shrubbery or uh, yeah, a ghillie suit, I guess. Yeah, he's just like this, like, uh, like real, and it's like he's not the thing that always struck me with Porcupine was like the lack of like masculinity and muscle tone, where it's like he's this pudgy little ball thing, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really look anything like a porcupine. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a great uh, translation from animal to yeah, yeah. But he was I a. Swear he killed himself once by falling on his own spikes. But I, I'm not get sure. Get out of town, really? Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything on the Wikipedia about it, so I, I don't know. I could have sworn that happened, but. Oh my god, um. He's worked with Doctor Doom. Of course he, he has. <laughs> yeah, of course he has. Yeah, I'm like looking here. Uh, he had a team with a uh, Plant Man, the Eel, the Unicorn, and uh, Marvel Scarecrow. So it sounds oh, like wow. there's a bunch of there's a bunch of really good. I'm looking for characters. There, top tier characters. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a Spider-Man villain, even though he's kind of like an Ant-Man bad guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I do think he's primarily an Ant-Man guy. Huh? Yeah, and not even like... Ant-Man has some weird ones, too. <laughs> Ant-Man's Egghead, right? Yeah, he's got Egghead. I want to say Mandrel is one of his. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there's a few of those where it's... <laughs> yeah, I'm coming across the name Mandrel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm coming through across uh, Mandrill's name quite a bit here in, uh, <laughs> in the Porcupine Wikipedia as I'm like browsing it, which is like is pretty funny. Um, the Manbull is another character who I've always dug whenever I saw him. You know, we uh, we had a friend of the podcast, Chance Cook, on for the. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness episode, and we kept joking about. Uh, I kept calling him Yak Daddy, the uh, the, yeah, the, the the Green Minotaur, uh, Rintra, right? Rintra, the Green Minotaur man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Manbull is another one who, like, you would get the history of the Marvel Universe or the Handbook or the official yeah. guide or the cards, and you'd be like, "Oh, there's a giant yak monster," you know? There's a giant bull man, you say, and then his name is like the Man Bull, and you're just like, okay. I love. Like we're going, you said mentioned his his real name, which uh, this last name's like Taurus or something. Yeah, Torrens. William Torrens. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very uh, bullish. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was about to say like taurine, right? Isn't that the uh, stuff people are like? You know, Energy Red Bull is made yeah. of bull semen. Blah blah blah. <laughs> like I've, I've had people say that to me quite a bit as oh. I slam Red Bulls at work. Uh, He's a daredevil bad guy from Camden, New Jersey, um, <laughs> which is the city across the street, across the street, across the bridge from mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Um, real shithole of a town. Um, sorry to the listeners from Camden, New Jersey. Not a big fan of that. You place. know where you live. Yeah. 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 You know, you know, your, your Philly's like ugly fucking step cousin. You know what I mean? He's not invited over for Christmas. Cause like the family doesn't even want to deal with you. Um, but, uh, I always thought that was funny when he would show up as a daredevil villain, because he seems like someone, the Hulk would fight, <laughs> you know, or or yeah. the thing like yeah, Thor, uh, yeah, yeah, just any anybody, uh, yeah. Granted, this version of him is more man than bull, and he's yeah, yeah, not quite as uh, epic, but more goofy, and that's kind of what they're going for here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another one of the really dumb sea level villains here is L. Aguala, uh, a.k.a. the Eagle. Uh, I don't know if he's a, a full villain. I'm going to say, right now, I only know this from Wikipedia, is that he was kind of like a Robin Hood swashbuckler type. Uh, Not a matador, which they make very clear throughout. Well, uh, yeah, I do like the bit in the episode where they, they mentioned that he did some light matadoring in, in college or whatever. Yes. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny. I'm reading through his Wikipedia right here. 
And it says, soon after launching his crime-fighting campaign against drug dealers, brutal police, wrongdoers, and slumlord landlords, he encountered Iron Fist, Power Man, and Misty Knight. And I just like the idea of this, uh, my name is Arnito Bantoya, and you killed my brother. Going after, like, you know, shitty landlords, like, Mm -hmm. upcharging people for studio apartments and, like, Bed-Stuy or East New York. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I guess he worked with Hawkeye as like head of security for Cross. So yeah, he wasn't necessarily always a uh, always a villain. Um, but there's been some speculation about this. He is officially a mutant in Marvel Comics. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he was one of the ones who was depowered during the quote unquote M Day event. Um, uh, yeah. You know, following uh, the House of M stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's just basically a Spanish version of the swordsman. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh... Which, uh, you know, whatever. I think that's fun. I, I quite dug uh, the swordsman. Um, but no, the, I, again, this episode, just introductions of these kinds of characters, whether it be in the courtroom, like we got Titania or uh, the Immortal Man, uh, or in this setting with uh, Blomsky back. Um, and again, I do want to give you a little bit of a opportunity to brag rather humbly here. Um because at the beginning of the season, you had said, I think all of these characters are going to be involved for two episodes, except Blomsky, who's going to be in three. And then he I went did. away. I did. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm happy about that. I, I really enjoy being right. I, uh... I know. <laughs> I know you do. And I'm happy for you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when he came back and I saw um, that Tim Roth was going to be back, I got pretty stoked for you. I will ask, are you... Uh... Even slightly uh, upset that he's not punching anything. I am uh... kind of relieved that he's not punching anything. <laughs> I think we'll get that again at some point, but this is not what the show needs, really. And again, like some of the stuff, uh, I mean, we say this all the time on the podcast, but I am not one of the fans who is interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe's properties and films for the fight sequences and all the cool, you know, (laughs) uh, action set pieces and things along those lines. And I always said the thing that separates the Marvel Cinematic Universe from a lot of other properties, especially those trying to mimic its formula, that whole like Hollywood changing. So everything is like an extended universe is that at the core Marvel focuses on character, even before like story or. Yeah. Yeah. Like multiverse of madness uh, that had some really iffy. (laughs) Janky story. Yeah. 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 yeah, But you like the characters, so it doesn't matter as much. And as the visual spectacle that kind of makes it up for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like Moon Knight or Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. like, you know, we really, what was the name of the girl from Moon Knight who stood out? Oh, um, um, Layla. Yeah. Layla. And, and again, Kamala Khan, like. Yeah. yeah the, the, ca- the characterization in Miss Marvel is the thing that worked for me about that one. Uh, and I'm, you're just optimistic that they'll get the rest of it right on their next outing, hopefully. 
and again, like I'm not walking out of these things just being like set pieces. I'm not even walking into them thinking like set piece, set piece, set piece. Can't um, wait. Yeah, yeah. It, it's nice when it, that is there too, but it's not really necessary. Uh, sure. I mean, that's why, like, again, like my other favorite franchises are Mission Impossible and Fast and the Furious. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And those are like, you know, Ethan Hunt's like a half character in Mission Impossible, but the set pieces are so fucking crazy that that's what I'm coming out for. I'm like going into those for sheer spectacle. Mm-hmm. And then Fast of the Furious is kind of like best of both worlds where the characters are like ridiculously developed <laughs> to like a nauseating degree. Um, and then the spectacle is like what the fuck at this point you know what i mean like you got cars doing tarzan rope swings across uh islands and shit like that in these movies um but marvel again like going back to your comment am i disappointed that um i almost call him eli roth uh tim roth (laughs) (laughs) Roth. um if tim roth isn't isn't punching things um i'm almost kind of relieved because again like I'm not going into this to see a CGI gobbly gook abomination battle, a CGI gobbly gook she Hulk or CGI porcupine or man bull in a CGI environment. Just kind of, I'm not going to walk out and remember that and think, Oh, that was the part I really liked the part where um, on the TV end of things where, Oh yeah. Yeah. Know your goddamn place and like <laughs> abomination hosting like a a villain or super powered twelve step called Abomaste rather than Namaste is far more fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was hoping you got the uh, the Abomaste. <laughs> Abomaste. Yeah. I I enjoyed all of the little inspirational posters that don't mean anything at all. Really, they're just uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um. Tim Roth is also having the time of his life in this. Um, An actor who takes his work rather seriously, even when it has like comedic undertones to it. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, he works really hard in those Tarantino movies, like to be like kind of deep in whatever character he's doing, like Wes Anderson, stuff like that. And uh, here he's just kind of having a blast on this, like, kind of it almost looks kind of like low budget sitcom show so to have like an actor of that caliber, that caliber. like yeah 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 it's like having harvey Keitel in your fucking marvel sitcom you know what i mean like it's it's you know it's similar right they're both in yeah. reservoir dogs yeah I, I don't i can't think of any other tv shows that kim ross has been on uh right offhand he may have but it's Harvey Keitel was on an NBC show called Life on Mars. Do you know about this show? No, no, I don't. It's really weird. And I thought it was going to be a procedural cop show. It's actually based on a BBC show that like I had never seen. And it looked like, uh, oh, Harvey Keitel's in this cop show. And I was like, I'll watch an episode of this. You know, I put mm-hmm. my DVR to it. I mean, if there's there. one thing cable channels can't get enough of, it is police procedurals. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You have a new one, you get a charming, you know, character actor, like a Chris Maloney, you throw him in there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, it actually had like a time travel bend to it where it was a police procedural, but he could like time travel. They love that too. Uh, Yeah. Just mixing in some other genre with their police procedurals. That's what they did with Lucifer. 
They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they love those stupid genre bends. Like, it's like this, but that. You know what I mean? Uh, you see, like, the pitch meetings. <laughs> what if this, but that? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, those screen rant fucking pitch yeah, meetings. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, one of the worst ones of those kinds of shows, what if this, but that shows that I ever saw. I used to work, um, like, four to midnight at a, at a hospital and we'd get home really late and I was married and my wife would always be sleeping. So I would DVR whatever 10 o'clock show was on that night and I would go home and watch it. And I got really invested in a show called like 666 Park Avenue. Um, <laughs> and it was like a, kind of like a rich asshole New York show. You know what I mean? Almost like The Apprentice or something. It was like, look at this douchey Donald Trump guy. And mm-hmm. it was like a business show, like a like a workplace drama. You know what I mean? Yeah, Except yeah. the guy's boss was the devil. Um, <laughs> and he lived at 666 Park Avenue, an address that doesn't exist. Um, but the, the, the guy who played the devil is the dude from the fucking stepfather who played John Locke, Terry O'Quinn. Um, who rips and uh, and um, Vanessa Williams plays his wife too. And I remember being like, "Man, Vanessa Williams really slumming it." Like, uh, you used to be an eraser, ma'am. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Schwarzenegger. But now you're in this. Um, were you kind of taken back by how this episode almost? fell out of favor for the from the sitcom format that we've seen where it's introduction of the a plot meets introduction of the b plot uh with various characters you know this one was just a jen story and it was like jen gets away from the main story for a week and then comes back to it by the end you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't even know if there was enough of uh the boyfriend thing for it to be a, a full beep. <laughs> it was just, no. yeah, yeah, it's like a flashback. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I it know. also, like, the boyfriend stuff was all part of the A plot, really, because it was like, this mm-hmm. is what's going on with Jen, but then yes. Jen gets called away from work. She's reminded of the stuff going back with her by the time she comes home and all is forgiven. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it wasn't where it was like Nikki and Pug are up to this, or Mallory they Bush. Have a full little yeah. story on their own. Yeah, 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 yeah. With other characters, this was just Jen. Mm-hmm. Which, like, again, going back to the show's big themes being like identity, self acceptance, learning to love yourself um, on an interior and almost like a material exterior level mm-hmm. um, and coming to grips with the various sides of you at the same time. Uh, focusing this episode on Jen going to like a meditation therapy retreat, <laughs> to literally say that out loud uh, was a great place for it to like, no longer be internalized subtly where it's like, I'm just saying it now at this point, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was again, going back to the slick writing of this show. They hammered it on the nose, but they did it. I don't want to say like cheating, but they did it in like a, a way where it's like, this is a slick way for us to do this and also have a ton of fun with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, Last week, we brought up how 
Jen was at her douchebag friend from high school's wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where she met this dude named Josh, who is all too perfect. Like, sweet guy, <laughs> doesn't care. In Jen. Yes. Yeah, only interested in Jen, not interested in She-Hulk, like, not trying to necessarily get in her pants, wants to get to know her first, and we're like, too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, this introduction of the, uh, what's that Breitbart forum called? Oh, Intelligentsia. Yeah, yeah, the Intelligentsia thing. Um, it's just kind of there's got to be something be a wizard behind the curtain. Who's the man behind the curtain here? You know what I mean? Um, And we'll get back to more of that later, but uh, yeah, the episode here starts off with Jen kind of the beginnings of this new relationship, this new romantic relationship with this guy, Josh Miller, who she met at the wedding Um, kind of took a hint out of the Miss Marvel playbook where they, um, materialize the text messaging here which is something i think drives you crazy right isn't it no 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 i i don't mind that at all uh no no it depends on how it's done if you're just showing me a close-up of a phone it annoys me but if it's done in, in a an interesting way it also can't be the young people doing it all right yes 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 it can't be the children here yeah 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 don't show me a close-up of a child's phone i don't want to see that in my films yes not at all. Um, yeah, she's uh, stepping out of the shower, getting texts from Josh, uh, reading them as she's getting ready for the day. I thought the sequence was shot remarkably well. Like, there's a cool, like, God's eye view of Jen, like, laying in bed that's, like, kind of, I hate to say it, like, Wes Anderson-y. Like, if Wes <laughs> Anderson directed an episode of Modern Family, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> This is the funniest song playing. I it sounded familiar, but I don't know it or anything. But yeah, neither do I. I, This sequence just made me think the show is mainly for women. It's still good for everyone. It's a rated E for everyone type thing, but it's clearly (laughs) trying to get one audience in particular. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I do want to point out that uh, she also breaks the record in uh, this opening bit where. She has sex more than once. Uh, she she has the record for most promiscuous in the MCU, which is good for her. It's not uh, Tony Stark having sex with that reporter and Pepper. And, uh, and, no, uh, because uh, Morgan may be someone else's kid. We don't know that for sure. It's, I, I've never, never heard saw her them in bed. Outro mom. She never yeah. called Gwyneth Outro mom, did she? Ah. Uh. <laughs> No, no, I, uh, I'm just saying uh, it's a bit weird that there's so little intimacy with characters. Uh, so Pepper Potts and Tony Stark have like crazy amounts of money, like unreal amounts of money. Mm-hmm. They have to be doing like weird, like they stretch before sex. They probably like <laughs> put themselves up in like weird, like uh, anti-gravity chamber kind of stuff, like read up on tantric stuff. Like, of course, of course. <laughs> like when you have that level of money, it, it has to go to another level. Like everything is a little bit better, right? You're not mm-hmm. like smoking a J and then just like having sloppy sex and then like eating a piece of <laughs> ham out of the refrigerator. Like I normally do, you know what I mean? Before going to bed. And then she like says she's going to the bathroom, but she's really just crying because it was so disappointing. 
so Josh arrives at her house. They leave for a date. She spends the next couple of days texting him. We get more of this fun song. We see them going out once again. Each of these um, kind of drop off, uh, pick up and drop off sequences ends with a little goodnight kiss where she contemplates letting him inside. And then with the final occasion, she realizes um, she wanted to let him inside so they go to a drive-in movie and it ends with her bringing him inside where yes she does have sex and she holds the the record at this point hawkeye two, also has two three children. Yeah, hawkeye yeah. has three oh, children yeah yeah but that uh once again never seen <laughs> yeah yeah never seen them like that. that's what counts our, our uh post-coitus like uh, Yondu and the prostitutes. Uh, I was about to say, yeah, Yon- I was thinking about Yondu here because um, there were two like robot prostitutes there. Um, yeah, yeah, if he had two in one room, that may count. That may count. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch Guardians 2 to find out. But. Gamora and that green lady, that other lady at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 1, didn't Chris Pratt like get caught having sex with like an alien in the beginning of that movie? Or am I confusing it with Captain Kirk? Uh, that was uh, maybe post-coitus, yeah, yeah. But I don't think he ever slept with Gamora. Um, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Well, how, they, how- they just became an item and then she died. And are we to believe that the genitalia of whatever species Gamora <laughs> is up. Yeah, yeah. lines up? Yeah. Like, of are course, you sticking a square peg in a round hole? You yeah. know what I'm saying? The celestial designed it that way. It's... Oh, you think she's a robot like the Celestials? <laughs> no. No, no. I'm just saying genetic engineering and all that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I would like to know. Do you know about the anatomy of the Marvel Universe book that's coming out? It looks fucking dope, dude. I don't think so. I will have to check it out. I uh, assume that that is hilarious and amazing, kind of. I don't know if it gets into genitalia. I'm sure that it probably doesn't, but yes, still. Yeah. But it does have like, um, you know, like those uh, anatomy and physiology books where it's like, you know, the the head is like sliced in half and you see the various layers of skin and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. There's like one of those for like Howard the Duck and Groot (laughs) and and all these different characters. So you can see like the interior workings of a lot of these alien species. So maybe we will learn about those things like. I surprisingly know a lot about biology of various Star Trek races because they always had like a medical officer on the bay. So like, Mm -hmm. I know how many stomachs a Vulcan has, you know (laughs) what I mean? I know that a Vulcan has a penis and a vagina because Spock is the child of a human and a Vulcan. And that's how it works, you know, Um, while Klingons are not, and they have a different thing going on. You know what I mean? Um, So like, yeah, Take a hint from the Star Trek playbook and start <laughs> showing us these things, uh, Marvel. Um, so Jen wakes up solo. Uh, too good to be true. Josh has left her, uh, which is a normal thing if you're an adult. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe the guy had fucking work and he had to get up and like go <laughs> to his job. You know what I mean? While she slept in like a lazy bum. Um So she texts him that morning, uh, but doesn't get a response back. And we see her at the uh, JLK and H uh, legal offices with um, 
my girlfriend, Nikki Ramos, um, who's telling Walters, like, and reminding her, like, don't be looking at that Intelligentsia website. And she yeah, assures, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah the line that she has, has there should probably be the tagline of the show, which is, I don't care what a bunch of losers say about me online. I, yeah, <laughs> season yeah, yeah. two, that should be it. That should be it. Uh, that should be like the tagline on the poster for this fucking thing, like <laughs> billboards in uh, Times Square or something like that, saying like, I don't care what you think I'm going to do me. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, They talk a bit about intelligence. Yeah. And also I was, I thought you were going to say Jen does also have like a really good line where she's like, I don't care what these losers have to say about me. Uh, on the internet because in real life I know they wouldn't be saying that to me because they would be getting fucking Hulk smashed yes, which was yes, that's the second half of the line yeah 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 good setup uh she uh she definitely is like kind of owning her own strength here on mm-hmm. a physical level which I greatly appreciate uh, however, uh, what is getting to Jen Walters here is the fact that Josh has not texted her back and uh nikki reminds her like the first time you fuck somebody like don't be crazy texting this person because you're gonna come off weird you know maybe it's just that awkward like i don't know what to say or he's got something to do and then they bring up like maybe he's at a christening or a job interview or at the movies like there's places where you can't use your fucking cell phone um and then i like these little uh day of the week title cards that pop up with mm-hmm. a boom, like that heavy uh, fucking music. So it, like the day was on a Thursday. Then we get the Friday and we see her like eating her cereal and like the quick zooms to the phone and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And we get some uh, Miss Piggy footage, which has there been a recent Muppets thing at a certain point? I don't. Yeah. Like, there was a- Miss Piggy is at this point. Well, that was a shot from the great Muppet caper. She's doing yoga and watching the great Muppet caper, which is something I've done in real life. It's <laughs> a top 10 Very movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's a top 10 all time movie for me. Like, you know how you, uh, you can, um, on letterbox, your top four favorite yeah. movies of all time. I think mine are like blue velvet heat, um, moonlight, and the great Muppet caper <laughs> as someone who all alike. Yeah. I mean, you know me, you oh, know I what know. I mean? Yeah. That like lines up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like moonlight and heat don't necessarily line up with each other. You know what no, I mean? No. Uh, I love the great Muppet caper. I think, um, what's his name? Uh, Josh Grodin, that actor is like, the fucking best in that movie. He recently passed away. Um, oh. You know who he is. He's the dude, the dad from Beethoven. You ever see those dog movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. That guy was a goddamn king. Uh, but going back to your question, the most recent Muppets project was last October. We had um, the Muppet Haunted House movie. Oh, so they are still in the pop culture uh, realm. I wasn't sure. I, I absolutely don't watch Muppets. <laughs> I watch the official Muppets. I watch gooey Muppets and horror movies and stuff. But yeah, yes, yes, yes. I I like my puppets as Muppets or as wet and gooey as possible. Those are my two. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, the Muppets also are owned by Disney at this point. Oh, too. okay. So yeah, which seems like kind of a missed opportunity for Disney not to be like 
going really hard with the Muppets because I think that's uh, and it might just be because it's so one hard to find puppeteers like it's a kind of a Lars star star yeah like we got that uh labyrinth um sequel that or not labyrinth uh, oh, um, uh, dark, crystal. dark crystal yeah. Yeah, yeah a movie that's like visually amazing that's just like absolute gobbledygook and bores me to tears but i think it's really <laughs> cool on like an artistic level yeah. uh, and the same thing with that uh, dark crystal like sequel series thing i remember putting it on being like this looks amazing but i have no (laughs) idea what's happening and this is boring me to tears um so one it's like kind of a lost art form and two i think the muppets and this is the thing that i always really liked about the muppets it uh it's really hard to write good comedy that works um universally no matter what age or demographic you are like yeah real four quadrant comedy that's like a baby can laugh at this you could show it to a baby you could show it to a kindergartner you could show Mm -hmm. it to someone in high school and then you can also appreciate it as an adult and everyone will get a chuckle without being like see they threw some lines in for the parents in the crowd like the shrek movies you know what Uh, i mean something more risque or whatever yeah 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 They'll get away with it because the kids won't understand it, but the parents will be like, ooh, that was for me. You know, I think that's <laughs> so whack. It's like so annoying. Um, and uh, and the Muppets are the complete opposite where it's like pure sincerity to mm-hmm. everything with them. And one of the reasons I like that Jason Siegel uh, Muppet movie so much, and that was in my top 10 of the decade, 2010 to, 20, to 2019. Um was because the whole premise of that was the Muppets haven't been around for a while. Jason Siegel's a huge fan of theirs. There's a new group being run by some like corporate media overlords, like a Fox esque or Disney X company who uh, wants to do the Muppets and make them more edgy and cool. <laughs> and the Muppets come back and put on a show that's just like purely delightful and the world falls back in love with the Muppets. And I was like, oh, yeah. exactly what you should do with the fucking Muppets. And then no one saw um, Muppets Most Wanted, a movie that I think is criminally underrated. Uh, and, um, and now they're, you know, kind of misaligned to direct to disney plus things oh, once okay. a year okay. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like once a year um were you ever a flight of the concords fan no, no that's where uh comedians and directors like taika watiti uh started off as they're like a new zealand uh folk comedy duo who write very silly you know like new zealand comedies very like yeah. goofy they write these goofy songs and uh one of the guys from flay of the concourse is actually the musical director for the jim henson company right now it's the best like the music for these movies is so delightful and um i get embarrassed rather frequently when like i'm listening to it in my office and something comes in <laughs> And they're like, what are you listening to? I was like, it's this song called Cockatoo by Kermit the Frog. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Friday, we get that cool clip of her eating the cereal and staring it down. Saturday, again, watching an all-time great, great Muppet caper while doing yoga. Still not getting anything. And then on Sunday, uh, she wakes up to a call thinking that it's going to be her beau Josh. But instead, it's uh, Mule Blomsky's parole officer uh, telling Walters that Blomsky's monitor has gone off. 
and essentially says, uh, you know, I got to go check it out. And she's like, yeah, that would be a good idea in case he turned into the abomination. And he's like, well, yeah, that kind of leads me to why I need you. I can't really <laughs> afford to justify the backup to go see one guy, but it would be nice if I had a Hulk with me in case like he's a giant lizard monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jen has to go to Blomsky's uh, retreat commune cult thing in order to make sure <laughs> summer still, twilights is the name of his compound which oh is, is it i think massive and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Suspici- is I, suspiciously so <laughs> well he, and also suspiciously his quote-unquote soulmates were missing here um we Very know true. that he and they were financing this operation for him right oh i don't know if they clarified that but it wouldn't surprise me yeah. Do you think um, he killed them for the insurance money? <laughs> you can't rule it out. You can't. Uh, He's an abomination. He could literally hide their bodies in his tummy if he just ate them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? This parole officer, Chuck Danson, is this a guy from the comics? I wasn't no. sure. No, I didn't look it up. No. no. All right. Thank God for you, my friend. Um <laughs> I, I do want to say on her way to the retreat, we I haven't like mentioned the score very much to um this show. You did mention before the music is pretty good. Uh there's a Haim song. I don't know if it's pronounced Haim or Ham uh in this episode, but I like them. Uh I think the one of them was really good in Licorice Pizza as the lead girl. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. The Haim sisters, yeah. Um but the score when she's on her way up to his retreat where it's like these exterior helicopter shots of her Prius, like on the winding road, kind of like reminded me of the beginning of the shining, you know okay, what I so mean? Yeah, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking you were getting to the, the Hanson song. Uh, well, that's what I was getting to. That's what I was getting to. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was funny. Cause it would like cut from this really ominous, like shining esque helicopter <laughs> shots with this, good score and then into the car and she'd be like frantically going through her phone and then singing to Hanson's Umbop, uh, a song I haven't thought about since I was in sixth grade. That's maybe. about right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Hanson being the butt end of so many jokes as a fifth or sixth grader when they came out because they had long hair and looked like girls. Yes. Yes. The middle That's one, especially. Yes, the the singer, I believe. His, yes, he was yeah, yeah. he was the singer, and there was like a drummer and a bassist. Um, and yeah, they looked like women, and that was the real reason I didn't like them as a little boy at the time was because they were <laughs> the, the, the masculinity that we were always hearing about. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was alive and well in the nineties. Oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? It was yeah. thriving. <laughs> yeah, I was hating on Hanson and he's, here and he's, yeah. He's, Reading Heroes Reborn while I hated on Hampton. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've told you uh, there was like a really an, like you know Ace of Base. You actually told me that they might be Maybe Nazi Nazis. sympathizers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, like, yeah, you might they might be giants. They might be Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ace of Base. We might be Nazis. Uh, one time I was listening to an Ace of Base tape and and probably reading a <laughs> Rob Liefeld uh, comic, and I rode my uh, mongoose menace down the block, my BMX mm. bicycle, because there were like some jumps in the woods, and I went down there all by myself with my Ace of Base tape on. 
I didn't have like a ton of friends. And when I got into the trails, there were older kids smoking cigarettes. And one of the kids was like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, uh, Ace of Base. And then he called me um, the F word. Oh, yeah. That's a derogatory term for homosexuals and pushed me basically. And like threw a cigarette butt on me. And I was like, I cannot listen to this music ever again. <laughs> I have to fit in with this crowd of people who seem like horrible human beings. I, you know, yeah, I yeah. Yeah, must get them to like me. Yeah. So I traded in my Ace of Base for like probably or something. Yeah, yeah. Or NWA or something like yeah. that at that time. I think like Public Enemy around that time I got like Raisin Hell on a cassette like right after that. And that became like my everything. I was like, you know, I'm getting a pair of shell toes. I'm wearing all Raiders fucking hats from <laughs> till I'm 36 years old to this day. Um, yeah. I, I liked the score in this bit and I liked the juxtaposition of those really goofy interior shots with the stupid music and then mm-hmm. the exterior shots of these ominous, uh, you know, God's eye view helicopter fucking probably a drone, but could have been a helicopter uh, reminded me of the shining. So yeah, they get to the retreat and the parole officer has Jennifer Walters Hulk out essentially before they walk in, just in case he is a giant lizard monster. Um, <laughs> but as it turns out, Blomsky's inhibitor uh, is just malfunctioning. He walked into like an electric fence or something like that while he was trying to catch his favorite chicken. Is that yes, the case? Yes. Uh... Um maybe a reference to the Muppets here because Gonzo the Great had a favorite chicken by the name of Carmela that he may or may not have had a romantic relationship with. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know about his love, Carmela the Chicken, Gonzo? No, no. I I watched like Muppet Babies when I was super young, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't... uh... Yeah, I have. You don't have that bondage for the Muppets, yeah. Yeah, you know, I just don't have uh, the recollection for it. The uh, old memory is too hasty at this point. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. sheets to the wind, as yeah. they say. Um, if you ever want to kill a couple minutes, the Muppet Show proper from the seventies is on Disney Plus. Disney Plus, yes, yes. I actually did watch the first episode or two, but yeah. Okay, it's yeah. fun. I would say for you, like go through the guest list, which is like feature Find the guest that I recognize. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Watch the Sylvester Stallone one. Mm-hmm. Watch the Don Rickles one. Or or watch the uh Alice Cooper or yeah. uh Vincent Price is a real good oh, one. Vincent, that sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, it's magnificent. Um uh Peter Sellers was on it once. He was famously super drunk for it, uh, which is <laughs> kind of a blast uh yeah so carmelo the chicken okay so the (laughs) officer fixes it and he bolts really really quickly uh kind of terrified of being there and um as blomsky is walking walters to her car in comes mandel and and while they're still hanging out on the porch i just want to say how much i like how he massive jen looked as she hoped Standing under the awning or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. You know, they have a, a stand in for uh, the character who's like 6'5. I just found out about this recently, I think. Like over mm-hmm. this week, I found out about this. And um, 
there is that shot where the parole officer is fixing the inhibitor chip and she hulk is standing there because it's a it's an arched uh like ceiling so she's gonna bonk her head because she's seven feet tall and i was thinking um i like the position that she's in and then i admired the shadows of it as well um it's really hard to get lighting right with motion capture and CGI. It's stuff we talk about mm-hmm. kind of at nauseum on this show at least <laughs> once a week. Um, and, you know, lighting is really the hardest part because when you're compositing a digital image into a practical location, you have mm-hmm. to take into consideration where all of the light sources are in that room and then either recreate them digitally or recreate them on some sort of uh, green screen um, yeah. digital environment um, there's that kind of now famous for the bad compositing shot from Black Widow where Florence Pugh's character on the uh, G.I. Joe Sky Fortress at the end gets like blown up uh, but the the light is everywhere because the explosions around her but like her face and body look like they're completely shadowed because you mm-hmm. know it was just like a quick pick me up on a green screen where they pulled Florence Pugh back really quick on like a rope and they didn't think about lighting it the way an explosion would actually look um so you think this was definitely this wasn't her this was like a stand-in they had both of them in there and it's a composite of both the images probably right uh, yeah i would think so i would think so this is the biggest piece of it because of the location yeah the shape of the room and things like that yeah, do yeah. a lot to it also and i mean shout out to the filmmaker on this one like whoever did direct it and did the cinematography like or even the scouting location guy you know to find a place where it's like how can we visually represent how tall this woman is it's like give it a low ceiling yeah yeah i also think they've done a good job of just making jen look very tiny having her wear baggy clothes and stuff like that throughout it looks very comfortable but yeah 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 it does look very comfortable um that's the uh the clark kent to superman thing is like how do you make someone look uh smaller and meeker and it's like shrug your shoulders a little bit sit yes, down in the yes. chair wear baggy clothes things along those lines um at any point when doing your notes or starting our discussion or watching the show when you heard the name agula did you sing uh agula uh to your, <laughs> to i did not i did not uh Mm-hmm. I do it every single time I hear this name now. Um, mm. And I think it's hilarious because uh, that song is hilarious. Um, have you watched, speaking of Agula? I watched have the you- first five minutes of The Monsters and I don't think I'm going to like it, so I just stopped. I, uh, yeah. Uh, if you watch it and like it, I may go back to it. But yeah, I'm. I'm kind of good, I think. Do you think that the people who are saying they like it are only saying they like it because they're the kinds of people who talk about how you can't trust critic reviews? Because it seems like that. They're like anti-contrarian contrarians. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm sure there's some of that. I do think some people from do just genuinely like it, though I haven't seen a ton of people liking it. It's, uh, yeah. It seems impossible to like this. Like you, I started this. I got a couple minutes in, got the gist of it, and just thought this is one of the most, it, it's like almost like purposefully 
terrible like mm. and and deaf like yeah, completely yeah. deaf where like yeah you were trying to go for this tone but like you failed at it like completely and uh it's funny like talking about those people who are like you can't trust the rotten tomatoes because they you know just don't like things that are fun and they're paid off by the studios to say <laughs> the these people things. that think that they're being paid off that is the wildest to me i uh it's an aggregate it's not that's not how it works a tomato person that's rating these things it's it's a bunch of people i uh uh, you don't think it's the doctor from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes who's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe just for the George Tony movies that come out, it's, uh, sure. it's, yeah, or the, the animated the series, yeah, 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 which uh, I had uh, lots of toys for as a child. Um, they would, yeah, yeah, they'd make a cartoon of anything back then. <laughs> I know, and then toys of that cartoon, hoping that would be the next Ninja Turtles. You know yeah, what I mean? That are GI Joe, Yes. The, the height of toy uh, cartoon synergy there. Well, I've been watching Jim Lee's Wildcats, the animated series <laughs> on not sponsor of the podcast, Tubi. Really um, to be, but yeah. It's... Well, it was really hard for me to watch Wildcats as a kid because... Like, it was one of those shows that didn't have a network. Like, it wasn't a Fox show or an NBC yeah. show. It was straight to syndication. So it was like nearly impossible. Like I would watch an episode and I would never know when or where the next one would air. Uh, I, yeah, would just, sure. yeah, yeah. I would randomly encounter it. So I'm having a lot of fun uh, checking up on my friends, like the grifter, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> my favorite, <laughs> the, the bunch. Yeah. The mask, yeah. The, the coolest looking one who is like, yeah. I swear he's not Deadpool kind of character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Uh. Um, what was I going to say? Really oh, yeah. characters are cool, but it's <laughs> it's it's X-Men, right? It's just yeah, X-Men yeah, yeah. and G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh no, I was gonna talk about those those people who are like, you can trust the critics. Uh I saw a post in a group uh who shall remain anonymous, but it is a group that you and I make fun of quite a bit on the mm. internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, where a guy who I always see posting like he posts a lot and he posts like the wackest fucking taste like this guy sucks and i like want to kind of be mean about it because like <laughs> he like defends his take with the like you can't tell me it's not good because it's my opinion and opinions can't be wrong because they're opinions and i could be like no this is objectively trash what you're saying is fucking stupid <laughs> Because get this, so apparently this Rob Zombie Munsters was supposed to be in black and white, right? But the studio was like, we can't green light something in black and white. It's too big of a risk. And he says, uh, if studios were willing to make movies like Eraserhead and Elephant Man with David Lynch or Blazing or Young Frankenstein for Mel Brooks, there should be no reason why Rob Zombie couldn't have made this in black and white or Schindler's List by Steven Spielberg. And I wanted to just turn around and be like, yeah, you were comparing Rob Zombie to Steven Spielberg. Not just uh, the the directors and the, the prestige behind the other things. It's also... All of those things were like 20 years ago when movie making was less risky, I would say. Uh, yeah. More profitable, I guess, in general. So they were willing to take risks on things and run at them. 
Uh, it's a it's a silly comparison. It's so silly. He's like, why should Martin Scorsese have been allowed to have made Raging Bull in black and white, yet Rob Zombie could not make his masterpiece, The Monsters, into fucking? You know, I'm like, dude. Yeah, you don't even have to uh, say that it's a uh, object or uh, yeah, objective quality thing. You can just do the IMDb ratings for your. Rob Zombie's movies and see what the general, they've earned the right to make the movie how they want to make it. Rob Zombie's last several have not. Yes. Raging Bull came after Taxi Driver. (laughs) (laughs) You you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Schindler's List came after Steven Spielberg's entire 70s and 80s career. The guy could do whatever the fuck he wanted. He's going to make something in black and white. Rob Zombie made Lords of Salem. You know what I mean? And was like, the last movie that he really, uh, where it was a real attempt at a film, I guess. Uh, and like, have any Rob Zombie movies other than the ones with a franchise IP at the beginning, AKA have any of them other than the Halloween movies actually made money in the theater or anything? I'm know? not sure on that. I, I assume that House of a Thousand Corpses did. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just because, yeah, I think that one did. I don't know about Devil's Rejects. I, I know that was big on home market, I think, but. It was. Everyone watched that one, so it's, yeah. Yeah. And that but was. After that, that, yeah. It was just. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, like, those also were a little bit more timely because like Rob Zombie was like in the popular conversation as like a musician and a human, like the song we've been making fun of Dragula (laughs) was in the matrix. Right. And like everyone saw the matrix in 1999 and had that soundtrack and knew the name Rob Zombie because we all knew that fucking movie. So when the guy who, uh, that song. So when the guy who made that song, was going to make a horror movie, people would show up because, like, Rob Zombie was still in the back of, like, every Gen Xer's brain at that yeah. point. You know what I mean? As opposed to now where it's not. And, yeah, people are just <laughs> annoying, Travis. Um, we talked a lot about uh, Man Bull and Agula here uh, at the be- top of the episode, but this is our formal introduction, and they're fighting one another. Uh, Blomsky says it's over, like, uh, basically, like, identity issues because every time Man Bull sees Agula, he thinks uh, – he sees a luchador, you know. He oh, sees a matador, a matador. Yes. He sees somebody, all the people who have been poking and prodding him just for the person that he is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and a front to nature, they, they say. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Manbull explains how Blomsky has taught him how to manage his like inner anger as well. He also mentions briefly how he was like a lab experiment gone wrong. He like he talks about his origin story. Yes. Yeah, we get a fair amount of the backstory. <laughs> Which Jen makes fun of and says, like, wow, that was highly specific. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um I liked this little encounter. I thought it was kind of fun, right? He's not one of the high evolutionaries, guys, is he? He is not one of the high evolutionary guys. Um, Man Bull was hired by Mr. Klein to round up people and test them with some sort of experimental serum uh, that was taken (laughs) from bulls made out of mutated enzymes by his agent, the villainous professor. Um, 
Although assisted by Itch and Freak Face, his attempts were thwarted by Daredevil. So there are also characters by the name of Itch and Freak Face in uh, these origin issues. Um, As a result, he ended up being a guinea pig for the serum, which turned him into a humanoid bull. And then he like fought Daredevil and got locked up in New York City. That sounds like an issue worth tracking down. If I gotta say so, you know, it was Stanley and Don Heck drew the heck out of it. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so now Jen's Prius is damaged. The tow truck can't make it there till the next day, and Walters is forced to stay at the retreat. Um, I really like this bit because there's no cell phone service there, and Blomsky's like showing off the facility to Walters and says like, hey, did you get a text? And she's like, really? He's like, no, you didn't get a text, you loser. Like, it was pretty (laughs) fucking funny, you know what I mean? Um, And also, like, as they're walking, Blomsky starts to realize that Jen's priorities are in other places and lets her walk by herself. So she spends all this time kind of walking the grounds and the forest to try and find cell phone service. You see the little text bubble that dot 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 with no bars, no service or whatever. Yeah, there's a there's a fair amount of that. And uh I'm going to go ahead and point out a plot hole. I yeah no. Oh (laughs) not actually a plot hole. It's just one of the things that the internet would call a plot hole. But why wouldn't she hulk just turn green and start leaping like the regular hulk? It's yeah, I agree. I have another. It's just a thing they didn't do. It's yeah. I have another kind of inconsistent thing with Jennifer Walters that I'm going to bring up in like a couple seconds. Um, so Jen searching for the service, not running at Hulk speed and jumping to yeah. like pick your truck up and run <laughs> with it. You're a fucking She-Hulk. You know what I mean? That's true. It would have saved your money on the tow. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, maybe she is AAA though. You know what I mean. So maybe. she gets the free towing kind of thing. Yo, could be. Uh, it could be work uh, expense too. Uh, I would imagine. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, even if it's on a Sunday. One time, I because I had paid for AAA. I was in like this crazy snowstorm and my like tire popped like real bad. And my whole car, my, I had a pickup truck. It like blew Mm -hmm. out to the side of the road and I was stuck like in a blizzard for like, you know, just done. So I used, I called AAA. I was like, listen, I'm a AAA member. I want to use my toe. You got to bring it to, I want to bring it to my house. I was just going to fix it myself, which they allowed me to do. Um, And they said, because of the storm, um, you're probably just going to die. Okay, so then 12 <laughs> hours later, I still don't oh. get it. I call back. They tell me they're working on it. 18 hours later, I call back. They say, sorry, there's nothing we can do. There's not going to be any toes for however like many hours. Oh, Jesus. And, yo, I freaked out. And I, this is something I genuinely regret. And um, I've like put in my like, I, I like want to find this person and like make amends with her. Like when I was like doing my amends for sobriety, I was yeah. like thought about this poor woman and what I said to her on the phone because I asked for her name like first and last because they have to give it to you and I took it and I was like okay so and so I'm writing your name on a piece of paper and I'm adding it to my suicide note I'm going to take the shotgun in the back of my car I'm going to blow my brains out and then when they find me it's going to be on your hands because you're not giving me the fucking answer that I want to hear and I I was like being the meanest person in the world to this poor person who was just trying to like 
have a day probably you know what i mean like just mm -hmm. and she probably went home and was like this miserable well, bastard 18 hours in a car in a blizzard is a long time that's yo it was that's legitimately getting to the point where you may die <laughs> yeah it was really fucking bad dude it was really fucking bad like i was not having a good time um I knew someone else during that same storm who got stuck on a highway with her kid and they got stuck behind like a prison escort fucking with prisoners. I swear to God, she told me the story the next day at work because we have like a state prison on Long Island and she was like stuck behind the prisoners with like her 12 year old daughter and said it was like the most terrifying thing because she kept thinking like this is the beginning of a really specific horror movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, it really is. is. It really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but Mo, big Mo, she made it out okay. Um, <laughs> so, Jen finally finds some service in this barn. She walks into the barn and she finds Blomsky, Manbull, Aguila joined during a therapy session, like a round table, by our friends, the porcupine, and someone who we haven't met yet. Uh, Sarahkin. Is that how you pronounce this? Saracen. Saracen. Um, I think it's his only name, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to pronounce this motherfucker's yeah. name, man. I have never encountered this character. Uh, I I thought it was a different character entirely. I was thinking of a Punisher villain. It was you know on one of the trading cards, and just like the person he came up, and I remember the card. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, you found the actual one that it's supposed to be, probably, which is like a, a Blade character. Yeah, from late 90s era Blade colon Vampire Hunter, which like came out at the same time to correlate with the Wesley Snipes film craze. Yeah. Um, we were looking at some of the cover art for these. Bart Sears, fucking uh, yeah. God bless the guy. Yeah, yeah. Drew a lot of big, crazy <laughs> muscles and a lot of really bad, crazy anatomy, inking the hell out of these pages. Um, in comic book continuity, this is pre the cataclysmic age. Uh, Sarakin became one of the first vampires on Earth, and he has successfully survived to the modern era. Therefore, he is considered a member of the group of extremely long lived vampires known as the Ancients, alongside Nosferatu, Verdele, someone named Boy, Merican, Lamia, and Dr. Acula. Oh, wait, is Dr. Acula on the list? Seriously? <laughs> um, um, let me check if it's Dr. Acula. I think uh, it's yeah. actually, it's not pronounced like that. It's pronounced uh, Dr. Acula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That's, yeah. Uh, Nowadays, this dude resides beneath the Vatican with his servants by the name of Boy, which I... Oh, it's an actual little boy. I'm looking at a picture of this guy right now. It's like um, Interview with the Vampire style, Kristen Dunst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're going to check that show out, by the way. Yeah. It starts tonight or tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> one or the other, right? Yeah, it's one of them. One of them. I mean, like, shout out to the AMC Plus streaming service. That's something uh, that I subscribe to. And, like, I'm a huge fan because you get everything that's on Shudder. Um, okay, everything okay. on. Yeah, yeah. So Shutter and AMC Plus are pretty much the same thing. You can cancel your Shutter membership, and for an extra $2, you get everything on AMC Plus, which has great 
selection of additional horror movies. Uh, AMC shows a lot of good movies. Like I'll send you a list of like, I'll screenshot some of the good shit that they have on there, just like regular old movies. Um, but here's the fun bit. You also get everything uh, that Sundance films puts out. So like, Oh yeah. Like a lot of the stuff at Telluride or Venice and things at Sundance. They're all uh, artsy fartsy uh, bullshit movies that are, <laughs> That I love. Yes. Uh, yeah. You get that. Um, AMC also owns IFC. So you get all the IFC originals and IFC films and stuff oh, yeah. like that. that. IFC has put out a lot of good stuff for me. So. Always. Always has. And yeah. um, BBC as well. Um, the other day, I wrote down all of the streaming services that <laughs> I have and utilize. Um and I didn't put in my library ones, but there's over 20. It includes Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Criterion Channel, Apple TV, Shutter, Showtime, Paramount Plus, Stars, AMC Plus, Arrow Video, Peacock, Movie, Tubi, Amazon Prime, Cinemax, and DC Infinite. Uh, that is crazy, right? Are you still able to watch Swamp Thing on that version of the DC thing? The only reason I have it, my friend. I was oh, going to say because uh, yeah, it's not on HBO Max. I know. You want my password. I'll hook you up. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll just buy it on Prime or something. I'll, pi- uh, I'll, I'll pirate it elsewhere. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, Sarakin is like dressed like a stereotypical vampire man. But yeah, they keep teasing yeah. him about not being a real vampire, which is really fucking funny. They're like, he thinks he's a vampire. He's like, I am a vampire. Like, yeah, sure you are. Which I thought was really fucking, mm-hmm. really fucking funny here. And uh, Porcupine, they keep teasing because he never takes his costume off. Yeah, I think this is kind of a, a fun take. I know we've talked a lot about Porcupine, but this specific take for the character uh, where he's shut off uh, emotionally from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very fitting for the, the character. Uh, yeah. Some might say, fight. yeah, he's a bit of a prick. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, I've been waiting for that. Like, <laughs> I have one last thing to say about Porcupine later on, but we'll get there. All right, cool. Save the best for last. I get it, I get uh, it. All right, so Man Bull is afraid of Matadors, keeps thinking that Agula is one of them. Uh, Blomsky talks about vulnerability, tells Porcupine that um, he should take his suit off. It will help. And then suddenly the wrecker arrives, um, apologizing for being late. He had some sort of like transcendental, like feminine experience in a bathroom uh, with his dead grandmother. And then Jen's like, seriously, this guy, she does her little fourth wall break. Yeah, and this is the most burn-esque uh, fourth wall break they've done in the series so far, where it, it's literally affecting the story. Uh, yeah, and playing yeah. with the structure of like Byrne would do in a comic book where it's like, did this guy get his own editor's recap at the beginning? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's exactly kind of like that. Uh, he gets his own uh, previously on here to remind the audience who exactly he was. I did not remember who this person was at first. I not, yeah, yeah. With him being the wrecker and him not being the person in a mask, it's a bit weird, but I guess they wanted the leader of the, this crew to not be masked. 
Makes sense. Show, show, like, show. Show like, your mask guy. <laughs> need a mask guy. Need yeah. a mask guy. Um, so Walter hulks out, throws the wrecker, but is is stopped by Blomsky, and he has a she hulk sit down and talk about her own problems, right? Um, while Wrecker also explains that he's moved on from the wrecking crew. Uh, remember before when you mentioned the people would call it a plot hole on the internet, but it's not a plot <laughs> hole. It's kind of like an out of character inconsistency, right? Yeah. So why would Jen not ask what's up with this crew and why they did what they did? Ah, that is fair. That's fair. Especially by the time she leaves. That then again, she's rather carefree. If I'm going to associate them with the overall plot to destroy her from the uh, internet forums. And doesn't worry about it at this point because she is so confident as she told, I guess. That is true. And like, to a certain extent, I wouldn't be surprised if someone, you know, branded some sort of sharp object to stab me like a knife or a sword or whatever if I was a superhero. Mm-hmm. But a needle is like, at, that has like an oddly specific purpose to either draw or inject something. So I would bring up, like, she saw the needle, right? She saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she had to, yeah. Yeah, she absolutely had to have. So I was just kind of like, why wouldn't she just fucking bring that up um so yeah she sits down in the circle and i really liked all this bit you know she starts opening up to the group about mm-hmm. the stuff with josh they're all really really enthusiastically uh like positive uh towards this um i like the bit where it's like what what was the last thing that you texted them and she's like oh, i don't want to say and they're like say it say it say it and she's like it was that was fun. I can't stop smiling. And then one of those little laugh emojis, and they all kind of tease her for being so thirsty and forward about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, and that was the last one. And she's like, Ugh. you know, I just sent him a text again, um, asking him if uh, if everything was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like the character development here. Again, we get this whole thing about how she was really into Josh because Josh didn't appear to be into She-Hulk. She was into Jen. And she brings up the fact, like we all had that like really popular, beautiful, good looking or better looking than you are friend in high school. Who's Mm -hmm. also like better at sports and better at everything. You know, what would it be like if you had to live with yourself as that person too, which (laughs) like that duality, that's cool. Like that makes She-Hulk like an interesting fucking character. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it it's not as severe like the dissonance between Manor and Hulk, but it's her. It, it's a different type of issue, I guess. Uh, and it's also like she brings up how she can turn into this person and this hero at mm-hmm. any time that she wants, and people will love her for it. But it feels like she's cheating, like she's undeserving of it. Where yeah, like yeah. with Banner. Like Banner did that to himself. You know what I mean? Like Jen didn't ask for this. She didn't do anything to earn this. It was something that just kind of due to her. Yeah. By happenstance, like by complete happenstance. Exactly. Um, So all of the, this circle, the, the support group, they conclude that uh, they should all go kill 
what's his name? <laughs> yes, uh, they re- they revert uh, to villainy for vengeance very quickly, and yes, yeah, it's uh, great. Um, before Blomsky talking them all down and telling Walters that she needs to spend more time with herself and not with She-Hulk. Um, she takes off her protective shield and finally reveals herself to the group as Jen Walters. Um, this also uh, prompts Porcupine to finally take his mask off, which I like this a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, where they pretty much immediately asked him to put it back on because it smells bad. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That is something uh, pro wrestling. All the masked wrestlers you've ever seen, their masks stink, apparently. It's uh, apparently really awful. Uh, Gloves, too, if they don't uh, wash them regularly. I um, used to play hockey, and uh, hockey stink is is very similar to that. I bet, I I bet. Yeah, like you have these really heavy, tight things that you're wearing doing like a really physical thing, and like it's bad. Like hockey funk is <laughs> fucking bad. Um, um, you ever had an article of clothing on for so long that by the time you took it off, it was like really, really fucked up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what's the longest you've ever had that article of clothing on? I I'll, have no idea. Um, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Mine was four weeks. Uh, oh, it was, a, oh. it was a pair of socks while I was working remotely during COVID. And, uh, Obviously, I was highly depressed to the point where I didn't shower for four whole weeks because why would I? Um, you weren't doing anything. No one to impress. It's, nope, yeah. No one to impress. Uh, when I did take the socks off, I found that there was a vape, like a uh, nicotine vape inside of it, uh, a pen, and I cut my foot so bad that the sock wouldn't come off because it was stuck because of the fucking blood. Um, and it was fucking gnarly. I had to stick my foot in... Um, and so, like a foot bath with water yeah. for a certain amount of time, so it like loosened it up to to get oh, this wow. fucking thing off. Yeah, it was it was fucking rough. I had people come to my house after I admitted this out loud to them while I was on the phone when they called me to see how I was doing through everything, and I was like, yeah, you know, like it's bad. Like hygiene's been getting bad. Like I, I haven't really showered. It's sort of like, dolmens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been wearing the same socks for four weeks, and they're like, John, we are coming over and taking care of this. Like, you you need to be around somebody right now. I was like, yeah, yeah thank you. I appreciate you. That's what friends are for, porcupine man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they also coax um, Jen to delete Josh's number to make herself feel better, which I, I liked. Yeah, um, she might need it. <laughs> possibly. But like, how hard could it be to get? You know no, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it very easy to answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, do you think these doofuses will be in the finale, uh, or will we see them again so. in action? In some, capacity? I hope so. Do you? Yeah. I think you we might. It'll be something like uh, the Larpers in Hawkeye or something like nailed that. It. That's exactly the the tone. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. That's exactly what I was going to compare it to as well. It's going to be mm-hmm. something like the LARPers, where it's like their merry band of of uh, misfit toys, you know, yes. coming back towards the end to help them save the day. Um, and then they asked how she felt, and she says, hurting for a yurtin? I thought this was a sex thing. Um, no, it's a, a sweat lodge uh, thing. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah. I got invited to one of those once, and I I declined because that sounded very boring and weird to me. Yeah, 
Oh, really? I love yeah. a good schwitz. Um, we call them schwitzes. Uh, means oh. to sweat in Yiddish. Um, I've been doing that because my dad used to do it and family members used to do it. And then I've like gone to those big bathhouse things that yeah. are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just sat in there with the towel and sweated it out. I think there's something oddly relaxing about it. Um, I've also fallen asleep inside of a sauna before. Bad news. <laughs> bad, bad, bad news. Um, yeah. So she, she gets her yurt on here. Right. And um, they all meet her at the tow truck and they give her the card, which I thought was kind of cute and say their fucking goodbyes. Um, and then Blomsky walks her over to the tow truck. Fun Easter egg here, Travis. Did you see it? Oh, uh, then Slots, right? Or... It was Slots Towing Company. Was yeah, the name yeah, of and the, the guy's name tag says Dan. And, it does. Uh, Slot has mentioned it on Twitter, how he's uh, younger and thinner in this iteration. That is true. I kind of wish they had, again, like, that Dan would have been Slot. That to actually throw the real author in there. Uh, that would have been great. Like, yeah, yeah. Dan Slot wrote more episodes, more episodes, more issues of She-Hulk than any single writer in comic book history. A lot of the show is based on the tone from his run and mm -hmm. notably John Byrne's run, but also plot points directly coming out of the Byrne run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the Dan yeah. Slott run. Yeah, yeah. We had one episode where I felt like every 10 minutes I was saying, you know, in the Dan Slott comics, <laughs> and I just kept saying that over and over again, and I felt like really bad about it. Um, yeah. So she leaves, and it appears to be well, the end of the episode. Uh, Emil has a, a funny line about uh, asking Jen to clarify, uh, because it says... They, uh, they love the gang. Yeah, yeah. They're not a literal gang, and he wants that to be clarified. They're they're more like juggalos. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't say the juggalo line, but that's literally what he means. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the uh, the the people who think the Wu Tang Clan is like an actual gang as well. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I like I like that line quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, we think that the episode is going to cut off and Jen's going to ride off into the sunset with this happy new positive outlook on her life and full closure on Josh being an asshole who ghosted her and she's too good for him. Until we get a three days earlier title card and we see that after sleeping with Jen Walters, Josh uh, sits upright from the bed and uses his phone to copy all the information and data off of... Uh, Jen's phone while she's sleeping and then he gets up and uh, we see the little word balloons for the text messages uh, him texting the Hulk King from that website Intelligentsia mm -hmm. with a three emojis one is one of those uh, syringes then a green science vial and then I think it's the little like thumbs up right that's the yes. last one yeah I think so I think so okay so and he also takes a picture of her while she's asleep, which is oh, yeah. So I'm thinking, like, yeah, he's going to slut shame her, one, right? Yeah, yeah. Get all of her information and her contacts so he could find something to cancel her in her text messages or emails, find something fucked up that she said, and then leak it to the news, probably, right? I hadn't even considered all of that, but yeah, that all makes a lot of sense with the what this story they're telling here. Uh yeah, absolutely. Like the fappening. You know what I remember the fappening? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then 
three the weird part so there was the syringe the ominous like heavy duty syringe that we saw at the intelligentsia lab mm-hmm. uh last episode right where we saw the bent one that the wrecking crew couldn't use and then like a big daddy syringe right um i don't think josh used that on jen here so i had the thought did he get her dna samples from the vaginal juices i don't even know uh, yeah, i was i was like hearing you after that i was going to not make that suggestion and then i was going to say that i've been told that that's mostly urine and that urine is sterile so it it i don't know can you get <laughs> i know now i'm like just like my beard oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah. Maybe she got it from Jen while she's asleep in Jen form. Uh, a quick you, poke. She would know if she got poked in the middle of the think, night. You would think, needle. right? Yeah. 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 A like tampoon? A tampoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that would be the go-to route if you didn't want to get punched in the face, probably. I had this written down as a WAP sample, by the way. Ah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, of the... <laughs> I I, um, I should have expected that it would lead this conversation, but yes, yes. The other idea would be, do you think that this guy would sink so low as to put a needle inside of his, you know, you know, and uh, <laughs> inject her internally that way? You know uh, what the I mean? G.G. Allen method, a uh, needle in my cock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, I really hope none of these are options. Uh, yeah, 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 this one I'm just hoping they don't clarify it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, did you happen to see who wrote this episode? I did not. And last week I should have said it out loud. Um, Dana Schwartz had written that episode. She's very funny. She's married to Ian Carmel, a really great podcaster, a really great uh, comedian mm-hmm. um, who actually worked his way up through the stand-up and script uh, screenwriter, um, you know, industry to become basically James Corden's version of Andy Richter. Uh, and Ian Carmel rules. And I like Dana Schwartz. I follow her on Twitter. She's very funny. Yeah. Uh, who wrote this week? Zeb Wells, uh, the writer of the best book of Don of X, uh, Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, he I was surprised fucking... to see his name in there. Yeah, yeah. That's a real comic book writer. I mean, dude writes fucking Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Huh? Yeah. Um, he's going to be on another book that I'm looking forward to picking up soon as well that we were talking about during... Uh, our San Diego Comic-Con wrap up a little bit. That's so funny. Huh? Well, that's awesome. The director, a new Valia, she's been directing a couple episodes. She did the mean green and straight up poured into these jeans last <laughs> week's just Jen and this week also. So I like that they're having, you know, these directors stay on for each episode because it allows the uh, visual style of the show to really flow. pretty Yes. Well, you know? Be consistent from one to the next. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of new stuff added to the um, credits, the animated yeah, yeah. credit sequence. There was one with Porcupine bringing his suit to the dry cleaner and like the little dry cleaner holding his nose and the stink. You know, like the stink uh, lines that yeah. come that cartoonists use. I love those things, you know, <laughs> like the pig pen lines, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, all that was really fun. Um, no post credit scene again. We're unsure no. because like we said at the beginning of the show and when we first started doing the She-Hulk episodes, like, oh, I heard every episode will have yeah. a post credit scene, but I don't know if we just made that up or someone told us that and they were lying or how we got that into our it's head. It's impossible we to find the, find the original article if we read it somewhere because every uh, I can week, anytime you search She-Hulk credit scene, it's just people asking if there's a credit scene. So it's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is not possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, with that being said, Travis... Is there anything additional that you would like to add before we wrap up with our final thoughts and our reviews for She-Hulk episode seven, The Retreat? No, that's that's uh, pretty much it. All right. Let's jump into our final thoughts. Tell us how you really feel. Let's read this. We here at the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast rate and review all of these episodes from one to five scoops atop of our infinity cones, one scoop being the worst, five scoops atop that infinity cone being the best. We do accept half scoops atop this infinity cone. With that being said, Travis, She-Hulk, Colon, Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 7, The Retreat. One out of five scoops atop your Infinity Cone. What say you? All right. This one is three and a half. Uh, just a light, fun episode with uh, some D-listers that I enjoyed seeing. Even, unfortunately, is the main one that I know. No, <laughs> but the others are fun, too. I will always be excited to see lame villains getting a spotlight i I, at this point i'm kind of hoping we get them all in their own infinity war-esque movie where it's just all of the wacky d-listers against some equally lame threat of some kind against stilt man or something yeah 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 just something ridiculous uh Imagine they did Arcade and Arcade accidentally kidnaps all of these <laughs> stupid ones and it's just them it's on a, this like a, a, a game of guess thing. Yeah, you don't really want to put the X-Men in that scenario but a bunch of D-listers, yes. That, that would be a, like, a fitting villain. Seeing this porcupine character like rolled up into a ball in a gigantic like mile-long pinball machine would mm-hmm. be a blast to it watch. Sure would. It sure would. I have spoken fairly highly of She-Hulk as I'm really enjoying its ability to stay within the confines of the genre and the format that it's trying to stay within, that being this low-stakes sitcom comedy. I know there's been a lot of kind of griping about the lack of the overall plot and things like that. I don't necessarily agree with that. I guess on a really like surface level um, read, I can see that because like we're not watching the eight or nine episode movie that a lot of these television series have been, you know, Mm -hmm. but Everything, for the most part, being self-contained has been really nice because, again, it's a very breezy watch. And 
to the writing credits and the acting credits, they've been able to do a really good job with uh, furthering the development of who Jennifer Walters is, her relationship to She-Hulk, her relationship to these newfound powers and this new position she's found herself in, the whole kind of guilt weighing on top of her that was addressed this episode where it's almost this, I didn't deserve this, I didn't ask for this, and I get to sit down and like take all this stuff that I've had internally and then put it out into the world. Um is using a support group structure kind of a cheap way to do that? Like, yeah, but again, like that's something that would happen within the format of a sitcom. And I don't think it was too blatant. And again, I'm so impressed with the supporting cast of characters from the guys like Blomsky or Wong or Nikki. I'm just enjoying everything and everyone mm-hmm. in this show and I've given one other episode the coveted 4.5 scoops out of five atop my infinity cone. I am also giving this episode a 4.5 scoops atop an infinity cone. It's impossible for me to give something a perfect rating for the most part. I don't think I ever will on the show. Who knows? I gave the Suicide Squad a perfect rating. I gave yeah. that a five, five out of five because I was so blown away by it. Um, kind of what kind of warrants it like you know oh my god you just made one of the best superhero movies for me of all time Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give this a perfect thing uh but this show is giving me exactly what i asked for exactly what it needed to be a she-hulk proper show pay respect to the source material i kind of like that it's bothering um (laughs) people in the ways that it is yeah i'm definitely enjoying that aspect more than when it first began, or rather before it came out and they were already hating it. Now the fact that it's doing okay and annoying those people is it's great. Yeah. My uh my friend thought he was doing me a favor and uh gave some girl who met me at a party my number without asking me and she's been like texting me about movies and stuff because she's like oh i met you at this party and you're the guy who awkwardly said you go to the movies twice a week all by yourself because you have no personal time and i'm like yep that's me and i guess she was really turned on and attracted to that you know what i mean where i mansplained how i set up all the fireworks because i'm a project manager and i laid it out in Excel spreadsheets. And then I showed her all of my Excel spreadsheets and the pivot tables that I did to get the fuses timing correctly. So yeah, my, my asshole friend gave this stranger my telephone number and she's been texting me about all these things. And, and I mentioned out loud, like, um, you know, on the podcast, I did this, this, and this, and she's like, Oh, you have a podcast. That's great. Like, if you don't mind, what's the name of it? And I just, instead of telling her the name, I just sent her a link uh, to her most recent episode. And she's like, seriously, you're covering She-Hulk? I can't stand that woke neoliberal garden. <laughs> she's like, no offense to anybody who likes it, but I'm so sick of the girl bosses do it better kind of bullshit. And I turned my red receipts on my iPhone and I just read those and like left it. She sent me two other messages since. Um yeah. So I eventually plan on returning those messages, getting to sleep with her after a date or two of, uh, you know, bringing her to a drive-in movie and then waking up in the middle of the night, stealing all of her information off of her phone and figuring out how to take a blood sample from her. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, yeah, yeah. It's only um, fair. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, even today, like I encountered someone in the real world, like tell me that and I was like, whoa, that just took the turn that, you know, red flag. There it is. <laughs> you know, I've been oh, waiting yeah, for this no. one, yeah, yeah. you know, waiting for this one. Like I was going to ask you to go see the woman king with me and now <laughs> you're not going. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, total bummer. But I mean, I'm I'm digging the discourse. You know, it's kind of fun to watch. You know, in mm-hmm. like a doom scrolly, know your enemy. The, the big one will probably stay all the outrage about the twerking and how I just don't understand that one at all. As presumably heterosexual people complaining about uh, women twerking, I I just don't I don't get it. I don't get that at all. That seems like it would be right up everybody's fucking alley. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it's just people saying like, well, and somebody please think about the children. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, no, the, that, that's laughable at this point with that end yeah. of the spectrum. <laughs> you know, what's kind of funny um, that pop star singer flautist uh, by the name of Lizzo. Yeah. was like, she's like, fairly squeaky clean like she doesn't curse in her music she doesn't talk about being slutty she talks about like owning her body and representation for like big women and black mm-hmm. women and like also like making pop music and being like a sincere talent and an actual musician like she's pretty squeaky clean she's not megan the stallion and singing about wet ass pussies like Cardi yeah, yeah. B. she's the opposite of that um she performed at something in DC and got to play uh, James Madison's flute, uh, crystal yeah. uh, flute, crystal flute. Yes, and uh, right wing sites have gotten wind of it, and they're like, Lizzo disrespects the country by playing a flute, and we've reached an all new low of depravity. Like, go girl, no idea who she is. Uh- Literally, they're just saying this for one of two reasons. One of three reasons. One, she's a woman. Two, she's a big girl. And three, she's black. That's why, you assholes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's been a very, that's another kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, this isn't these ones who are talking about fucking and sucking and selling drugs no, and shit. No. This is the opposite. This is just like a legitimate pop star, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, who knows how to play music, you know, it's, and yeah, you never yeah, watched the video. Yeah, yeah. 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 You didn't even know this flute existed until this week. Nobody knew. I didn't know James Madison had a fucking flute and I doubt fucking Florida man knew about I it. Know, crystal one seems extravagant for the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Florida, man. Do you, do you think hurricanes are just God's wrath at this point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, first the hurricanes, then the locusts, then the fucking, you know, firstborns. Well, time will tell, you know. They have to put gator blood on their doors. For, <laughs> and, yeah, do for the Passover. And so Metallica yeah, yeah. can write a song about you on their best album. Yeah, absolutely. You um, you only smoke, like, unleavened fucking uh, flocka or whatever fake drug you're smoking this week. <laughs> Don't put a yeast in your designer drug that no. turns you into a zombie who eats people um for a long time i was watching flocka videos on the internet just like people like going crazy it's like this weird synthetic research chemical drug that makes people eat other people's faces off it's real wild do you know about this uh only a little only a little that was kind of 
past my time and everything. So it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like watching the videos like that. And there's one called like Crocodile. There's that in the, the Crocodile where I'm Crocodile, yeah. The Crocodile one I thought was like a, a phony uh, thing altogether. It, it is just wild to me that that is. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives that you that thing in people's flesh off is. It turns you into the monster from Game of Thrones. Like, what is yeah. that? So grayscale. It's grayscale. Yeah. But Worse it gets you high really. as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say better. At least it gets you fucked up. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Uh, grayscale just turns you into a crab person. <laughs> the stone men will have, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about our final thoughts on the episode we went over the episode at nauseum we talked a lot about uh rob zombies hit song dragula it's going great some would Let- say too much yes. <laughs> some would say too much some might say not, not enough, enough. You know? the monsters is a good movie on part yeah. of scorsese and- <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk about the news travis Okay, uh, the big news involving Blade is that it's been delayed indefinitely, uh, and it's lost its director, who is staying on as producer. Uh, that seems like it might be like an honorary thing, where if you work on something, uh, like an honorary producer credit doesn't mean much of anything other than you helped develop the thing at some point. Uh, and the, the rumor is that uh, Kevin Feige spread really thin. The script was like 90 pages with two lackluster action pieces, and the lead star is kind of pr- frustrated by the process. Which is going to be bad if you lose Mahershala Ali, because it's surprising that you got Mahershala Ali involved to do in that friend. to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has been in some like big budget, nonsensy science fiction genre movies. Like he was the bad guy in Elite Battle Angel, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, he was on that, um, but that was a more meaty thing than the usual uh, Marvel stuff. Yes, absolutely, and and I kind of feel the same way with Elite Battle Angel because it's like if you're an actor, that's your opportunity to work with James Cameron, work with Robert Rodriguez. That's like, true. Yeah, yeah the limits of technology and things <laughs> along those lines um the director leaving is kind of strange and i i this I guy's made one feature film and i've never seen oh sure sure yeah where it was just like not aligning with other things is what is my understanding of it granted i'm not in the industry so it's i just read it on the site <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah we don't know what the story is, but of all the projects, um, Blade seems like the one where they might have put the cart before the horse. Is that that saying? Yeah, yeah, that that is indeed. Um, and we were worried last week because we talked about how the Fantastic Four film just got its writers. And we were talking a little bit about how it's kind of a bummer because in a perfect world, I like to think um obviously there's properties that they want to use but mm-hmm. they decide on what properties they want to use because someone's like hey i got this idea for the fantastic four here's my pitch and we have a script before we have a director and before we have a cast and they're sending out the script to 
you know, actors and actresses saying like, yeah. are you interested in this? Are you not interested in this? And that's what gets the actors and the directors on board. But it really just kind of seems like they're, it's just a brand. Here's our products. We're kind of manufacturing these things, assembly line style and putting together creative teams before we actually have a story, before we have any actors, before any Whoa. of these, things. it's fucking me up kind of. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's wild to me that they don't uh, have people kicking around ideas alone before they take them out with them planning 10 years in advance but most of the time. Fantastic mm-hmm. Four is maybe a slightly different thing because uh, of them not owning the property 10 years ago, but as soon as they were in negotiation to buy it, they should have had someone working on uh, ideas uh, for it. A script. Yeah, yeah. a script. Exactly. Yeah, even, even if things fell through well it's not as big of an expense i mean yeah they need to get that one right most of all yeah and they are bringing in the uh the writer of the x-men 97 series so hopefully that's good yeah again i i really don't know like i don't know anything that the x-men 97 writer has done before this i don't know a single film that the original director uh had made he only made one feature film he's a pakistani filmmaker um in my mind i stylistically have some ideas that how i would personally like a blade film to be and then i always think of like I'm not good with like like uh, fan casting, but I feel like I'm really good with like picking filmmakers or cinematographers to thing. I could or like screenwriters. Mm-hmm. And like in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, we lost Mahershala. I mean, we lost this director, um, Nia DaCosta, who's doing the Marvels. Uh, she made the film Candyman, um, a horror film that is primarily about um, black people, and yeah. it's like that sounds like a good idea. Like, you know, and she's making the Marvels now. Maybe she doesn't want to make two Marvel movies in, in a row. Yeah, but okay, yeah. yeah. But you could always bring a dump truck full of money and drop it off at her <laughs> house. Um, and then there's another filmmaker by the name of Kara Kusama, who um, has made a lot of films to varying success and scope and, and, you know, financial return. Um, one is uh, Jennifer's body, which is, a movie I really like. It's a horror comedy with uh, mm-hmm. Megan Fox about like, what if Megan Fox was a soul sucking succubus who ate boys? And it's like, great. Like that sounds great. You know, like what if the cheerleader was eight boys? That sounds cool. And it, it, that's a fun movie. Um, another film that she made is destroyer starring Nicole Kidman, which is like a detective procedural, really gritty crime movie yeah. uh, with a fun little, um, twist that involves like the narrative structure and the time it plays with time really well which you know i kind of want blade to be more of a procedural and less of an action movie like make him a vampire detective you know what i mean like which finder general kind of shit you know um sorry vincent price i don't know why i said that out loud um but yeah more like which finder general um but karen kusama also made uh like ion flux you know which like failed miserably you know uh cyberpunk's a hard sell uh 
And again, like, I think the studio was like all over that fucking movie and fucked it up probably for I it. I could too. see like, it. Want, yeah. Yeah. But Destroyer is a great movie and Jennifer's Body is a great movie. And I want the best for Blade. It seems like it's this the redheaded stepchild of the announcements because they like just had him wear a hat. They showed us a logo and then they just haven't said shit since, you know, <laughs> at any of these presentations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I hope the best. The, um, one other piece is uh, Armor Wars. And we wondered about this one because they didn't announce it uh, at one of the uh, the cons or whatever. And I guess San, it's Di- be- uh, San Diego was the con they didn't talk about it with. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's being developed as a movie instead of a TV series, which good for Don Cheadle. Uh, Don Cheadle can headline a fucking movie. He's a fucking movie star. Yeah. And I was thinking in my head when I first heard this about something that we mentioned a couple times during the recording tonight is the idea of these Marvel shows being eight hour long movies, nine hour long movies rather than an actual <laughs> like, you know, serialized. Serialized. yeah, yeah, you know, with endings and beginnings and self-contained bits. And I feel like armor wars would be one of those eight hour long movies. Um, which might end up just being too much and you might lose track of what you're trying to do because you're going to be less focused because you have so much time to spread it out. You know, mm-hmm. um, I love the idea of there being an armors wars movie one Don Cheadle to consolidate what you're trying to say and then put it in like a tighter container and, and put it out. And, um, and three, much like uh, Captain America New World Order and getting Sam Wilson to continue on with the Captain America franchise, which has its own tone and themes. You know, they're like the political thriller branch of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, let's continue the fucking Iron Man franchise. You know, we haven't had an Iron Man movie since Phase Iron- 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. With Iron Man 3, right? Mm-hmm. Technically, the end of Phase 1, right? Iron Man 3? I forget. Uh, I can't remember on that right offhand. Uh, yeah, because like Ant-Man is technically the end of Phase 2 and not part of Phase 3. And I think Iron Man 3 was technically <laughs> the end of Phase well, Regardless, we haven't had one since 2012, 2013. So yes. um, have something in that kind of like military-industrial complex character study thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um yeah, I'm so down for an Armor Wars. And also, I hope I get my boy Justin Hammer back. <laughs> uh, the biggest news, uh, Hugh Jackman coming back as Wolverine for Deadpool 3, which is coming September of 2024, which may be delayed. <laughs> I mean, one... I- <laughs> Yo, we haven't... We keep hearing we have plans for Deadpool in the mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like they tell us this, but there has never been a Deadpool three announcement until earlier this week on a random fucking Tuesday. Ryan Reynolds went to Twitter and made this like really funny video that's like subconsciously just a advertisement for his brand of like gin or tequila or whatever. You know yeah. how like celebrities have like alcohol brands. Like he's got one of those. And you see him like holding up the bottle and drinking the bottle a lot. Mm-hmm. I was another one of these fucking commercials from Ryan Reynolds. Uh, but it's like, I'm thinking about what Deadpool is going to do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then they drop it the ball with uh, um, what's it called? Hugh Jackman yeah. coming, coming back. And uh, 
you know this about me. I am a massive fan of Whitney Houston, uh, one of my <laughs> all-time favorite artists yeah. of all time. Um, like a real fucking talent. Some of her songs, you know, as like a songwriter and a musician, I feel are like actual forms of fucking witchcraft because it's like, I don't understand the baseline to, I want to dance with somebody, but like, it's so infectious. And it's one of those songs that like you could put on at any time, anywhere. And everyone in the crowd will want to touch the other person's butt. You know what I mean? It's the best. It's a real butt squeezer. And it ends with uh, the, I will always love you song from the bodyguard soundtrack. Uh, How do you feel about this Travis? I I don't know, I'm not meant to have a straight favorite. I uh I kind of pulled the band-aid off quick with that Professor Wright's already and uh I just keep telling myself it's only a multiverse. It's only a multiverse. Yeah. And uh I do kinda of hope we get him in so one fucking time and it's not like a a throwaway gag to once again you know, like give me numb from flashbacks to X Men two thousand when they make fun of the yellow spandex. Uh, that's what it will do. If they you want to see, it. you want to see the yellow and brown or the yellow and blue, right? I any of them at this point. I want the mask more than anything. Even if it's not, uh, the mask is more important than the rest of the suit for me. <laughs> Yeah, I know. The mask is incredible. Like Wolverine's design is so cool. It's so angular. It's so interesting and, mm-hmm. and visually striking that it's like, why would you not do this? Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess one of the arguments I've had in my head about it is that maybe it's too bulky on him, but you see, you had to slim it down in spot traces. It's <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Make it more form fitting if that's what needs to happen. I. One, like, I'm going to be excited because I think the Deadpool movies are fun, even though I'm not the biggest Deadpool fan. And mm-hmm. two, I've always loved Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. You know, he really did embody that character for a period of time in yeah. almost a way that no other actor has ever done with a comic book character put to screen. You know, you think Christopher Reeve, Superman, he did four movies over the course of like however many years, like 11 years or something along those lines. Kilmer, I'm not Kilmer, fucking uh, Michael Keaton uh, did two Batman movies, didn't last that long. Mm-hmm. And then you get some of the MCU guys like the Thors of the world and the Chris Evans of the world, the RDJs of the world. And Hugh Jackman is one of those, except yeah. he's, he's been around since the rebirth of the superhero film genre, you know, with those first X-Men movies. Well, yeah, and, he's been through some really rough ones. <laughs> and yeah. still, like... People still like him in the roles, even though he was in some really bad films. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the cynic in me is saying people still showed up and paid for those movies because they liked seeing Hugh Jackman in those I'm movies. sure that was a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's a lot of why this is happening as well, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is this take going to be? How does it take place within the context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where it falls in lines pre-Secret Wars and all of that has me a bit concerned because I do not want to see the fucking Fox X-Men running around in goddamn Secret Wars. It will bum me the fuck out. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, about the same here. If they do, then I want the old Fantastic Four back to uh, all of them. All of them. All 12 of them. <laughs> yeah, bring Carl back to play yeah, our friend Ben Grimm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 
Hollywood, if you need this information, give me a call. I got it somehow. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, yeah, I want to see Michael B. Jordan come back as uh, Johnny Storm. Uh, my friend Miles Teller come back as uh, Reed Richards. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's, it seems like wish fulfillment and only wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. But it's the kind of wish fulfillment that you hear about, and you're like, "Yeah, but that is kind of cool." But exactly, even though I'm personally not as thrilled with it, I get why they're doing it. It, and I'm, I get that people are ecstatic about it. It's fine. Just give me some God. Yeah, and I when it happened, I I was on the sales floor at my job talking to one of the kids who works for me, and I looked down at my phone, and I'm like, you know, I got the notification on Twitter and saw like what was trending, and he looked at me and said out loud, like everything okay and i was like hugh jackman's gonna come back and play wolverine and deadpool 3 and his first thing was like oh that poor guy he can't get away from this can he <laughs> <laughs> he cannot he cannot oh, yes you can run but you can't hide my friend mm-hmm. uh, do you think that this uh in your opinion does this downplay the impact that those death sequences had in uh logan Ah, oh, that's a good question. Yeah, a little bit, but it's, uh, I don't know. I kind of think the Deadpool thing is their own thing outside of the rest of the X franchise. And so not not too much, if at all. Uh, and okay. these, these two characters are two that I have wanted to see interact with one another in general in the movies, of course. Yeah, they're yeah. the two coolest fucking character two of the coolest characters ever you know what i mean is a rob life the, uh, the weapon x program so it's yeah yeah there's plenty of reason for them to uh both canadian right yes yes they are so we got that going for us mm-hmm. you know uh, at least i can nice never remember if uh deadpool was actually a mutant or not i want to say they went back and forth on that but I he is wrong. he is a mutant mm-hmm. um yeah i'm curious how all of this is going to end up at the end of the day because I saw Logan on opening night with three of my best friends and we all kind of grew up with Hugh Jackman playing this character and that movie does the fucking thing where it's made for people like who grew up with Hugh Jackman as a character to watch and say their goodbyes and get emotional Mm -hmm. and you know it was five grown men at a theater on a, on a random Tuesday, Thursday. And when the cross that they put at his grave, the little girl goes back and turns into an X. We all like grabbed each other and cried. You know what I mean? Like yeah. legitimately cried. And we're like, Oh my God, that's my childhood being buried. And I, it's, it was such a nice goodbye. Mm-hmm. Part of me is like, fuck man, they're ruining that nice little goodbye. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Well, time will tell. <laughs> prequels always oh, work out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Prequels always work out. Absolutely. We know they have a great track record. Um, yeah. I am well, liking Andor. I- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm liking Andor too. Um, and speaking of which, we have 
She-Hulk episode eight and then episode nine coming out. Uh, we will be doing a episode on Werewolf by Night a week after that comes out. So it doesn't interfere with our recaps of She-Hulk. And then yes. after Werewolf by Night, uh, we will be proceeding with um, entering the galaxy far, far away again after <laughs> we had left it uh, with the closing chapters and the epilogue of the book of Boba Fett. But we will be back next week for She-Hulk episode eight. In the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, you could always email mcubeyondinfinitypodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to continue the discussion with us on a daily basis, you can find us on Facebook at the MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast Facebook group, a wonderful place that Kira Travis and I have curated with a lot of really wonderful like-minded Marvelites such as your selves to talk anything and all things related to the marvel cinematic universe comic books pop culture star wars you fucking name it we got it going on over there also whatever podcast provider you're listening to this on please do not forget to follow subscribe tell your friends tell your sister tell your mother and leave us a rating if possible those five star ratings on spotify and reviews on apple Podcasts really do go a long way and make us feel so much better so travis with that being said by odin's fade i am john i'm travis and i will remember you